All right, everybody, welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. Here's a question for you. Is anybody out there an entrepreneur? You want to be an entrepreneur. You consider yourself an entrepreneur or you're actually, you've started, you're trying to build something as a Christian who is an entrepreneur and you want to have kingdom impact. Well, I know that that's me and I know that describes a huge part of our audience. So that is why I asked uh, Bill Woolsey to come on today because we are going to absolutely dig into this. And our goal is to equip, to inspire, to encourage, to create a breakthrough in some of those things that you might need to just take that next step forward. So with that, Bill, welcome to the podcast. John, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Well, it's my pleasure. So guys, here's a little bit about Bill, and then I'm going to have Bill tell uh, a little bit of his story. But Bill is the president and founder of 5-2 Network. So if you guys want to check out their website, it's F-I-V-E-T-W-O.com. Now, this is a network that helps Christian entrepreneurs um, launch all kinds of sustainable startups with a goal of, you know, folks that are in business because they want to reach people for Jesus. So you went to Texas A&M and we're not going to hold that against you. One of my good friends. Oh, come, on. come on, you got to give me some grace here on that one, man. Starting off well, You hard, know what? Grace is exactly what an Aggie needs. So I will give you oh. lots of grace, Bill. I, yeah, sorry, right. Alabama, you I must be from reserve. Alabama or something. That's all I can say. Some of the say. finest people I know are, are, are Aggies. So you know what? We got to have fun there. So think about this. So, so Bill, you started kind of going to seminary. You got your master's of divinity. You started serving congregations, and then um, you were at Cross Point Community Church. And this is this huge, very entrepreneurial church, large church, grew and grew outside of Houston. And then when was it? It was 2015. You launched this 5-2 network, because, and I love what you're trying to do. You want to help create this intersection where Mother Teresa meets a friendly Mark Cuban, <laughs> Right. Well, we I mean, nothing against piece? nothing against Cuban, but you know his his persona, right, is pretty strong. So there you go. It <laughs> is, but under the covers, like the guy is brilliant. When I watch Shark yep. Tank, what he hears, the questions that he asks, um, how he his brain thinks about a problem, an opportunity, creating a team is it honestly is it's why the guy's a billionaire. Let's mm -hmm. just be clear. I mean, there's a reason. And But combine that with Mother Teresa, who was there to follow a calling, to love and to serve. And you're, what you did is you actually created a process that helps entrepreneurs and folks, this is what we're going to be talking about, to grow a business in the direction of those God-given dreams, those things that we were called to do. And it could be a ministry, it could be a, a nonprofit, it could be a for-profit, a faith-driven kind of business and that we're trying to make an impact with. So now I know there's been a long journey to get to this point, and you got this heart of just equipping and launching entrepreneurs. 5-2 is an incubator. You got some guys, some incredible success stories. One of the things that was hard for me to find early in my career as an entrepreneur was mentorship. You know, when, you know, 25 years ago, I, I'd never heard of an incubator. If I'd been a, be able to round people to teach me the right mindsets, processes, how to hire, how to really get my story down, how to make big strategic decisions, me and I was on a management team, a startup, we were crushing it. We were in the data mining and business intelligence space, Bill. And we had made a strategic decision to focus on, this is back in the late 90s, 
on the whole dot-com world that was blowing up. But you know, you know what the interesting thing was? Our best customers that absolutely loved us, where we actually had our best revenue, were all old line manufacturing companies because they had tons of data. But guess what? We didn't think it was sexy. We didn't think it was the future. So we made this strategic decision just as a group. We thought it was the best at the time, but it was that decision that directly led to our company completely collapsing in on itself once the internet bubble burst. And if we'd focused on manufacturing and they were some of our best clients, you know what? We'd probably still be around today. Well, and what you did, and you're seeing that now, you lost sight of the customer and the need, right? And had you said, hey, this is our best customer, let's really understand how we could help them, even in yeah, and then, and then get more of them, right? And yeah, <laughs> right. maybe we're not known and we're not at all the high tech dot com conferences. Right, which was you know there was a draw to that. We were you kind don't of need a thousand in. customers, right? You only need ten. Ten good ones will do you. <laughs> yeah, ten good ones. We had one good one, and then a whole bunch of little small ones, and then you know everything blew up. But anyway, but with that, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background, your story, Bill. Sure. Well, thanks again, John. Thank you for having me on, inviting me, and just I uh, love to share, and especially with an entrepreneurial audience, you know, only about 12 to 14% of the U.S. population is entrepreneurial. And that number has stayed pretty true for decades. So you're a unique blend of people and you have this God-given ability. Uh, we call it your Psalm 139 wiring to, you just kind of know how to start stuff. A lot of times when we talk with you, you don't even know how you started it. You're like, I don't know. I just kind of, you know, got people together. So I love being with those people in part because I fall out of that tribe as well. Like you said, I started as a pastor, I've been a pastor since 87, was always the evangelism guy, always in large churches and tasked with uh, starting new ministries and helping reach new people. And the churches I was a part of, we grew them even in dying communities because we had this heart to design things around a person as opposed to design them around us. And that's a huge issue for the entrepreneurial person. They usually have an idea. Uh, they're, they're idea rich, but oftentimes, not always, but uh, oftentimes that idea has been around before. Uh, but the issue is, does anybody want that? And who is it that you're trying to serve? So we always just focus on the person and God bless that. In 97, my family, we were asked to go start this church in West Houston and we started it, seven families and God blessed it. Uh, we were in the right place, right time in many ways. But in that, we learned a lot of things, stumbling, but at the same time, went f learned how to scale and what scaling looked like. And it's crazy. Uh, and systems are everything and cultures, everything. We started the network 5-2 in 09, actually. We started it to help church planters uh, because we knew how difficult that was. Mm -hmm. But in around 2012 is when we morphed into saying, you know, statistically speaking, there are fewer church planters than there are entrepreneurial Christians. And if we could harness entrepreneurial Christians and help them start things that bring Jesus to the party and don't leave them back home, that would be pretty amazing. And the impact we could make would be significant. So we shifted there. I was still leading Crosspoint, but in 2015, I left full time pastoring at Crosspoint to simply invest in 5.2. And that's when we launched our training process. We said, we're going to go all in on training. 
And that's when we designed our Mother Teresa meets a friendly Mark Cuban process. So that's kind of how I am where I am. Uh, love working with people who want to start things because if we're going to reach new people that don't know Jesus, we have to start new things. Uh, new people join new things, sociologically speaking. So when we work with you, we'll help you start whatever it is you want to start because we're very passion focused. If we can get you starting something that's in your passion, you're off to the races. Nobody has to crack the whip. Nobody has to get you out of bed in the morning, which, as you know, is a huge trait for persevering in, in a role as an entrepreneur. 100%. And, it, and talk about this, though, as an entrepreneur, because you know what? The entrepreneurial journey, especially if you're the founding entrepreneur, you're, you're joining an entrepreneurial team. Man, it is all in for an extended period of time to actually get some traction. So it starts with ideation. I have this idea and I'm excited about it and it solves this problem. And I do the research. I'm like, okay, I'm good to go. Now, one of the things that you know you and I talked about before we started is really connecting that idea, that problem you're solving, that group that you're serving to that passion and to a sense of purpose. I think is absolutely foundational for success because one of the things, you know, that I've done in the past, right? I go find somebody that let's say they've been a successful Christian entrepreneur and I say, okay, this might be a different space, but similar, but what did you do to achieve success? You know, what did it take? What is the plan? And then I have to actually say, okay, am I willing to do what they did, willing to go through what they went through and their team went through to get that or have an opportunity to get that outcome. There's still no guarantee. And I think connecting the passion and the purpose to the venture, so to speak, is a critical component that when missing makes it so much harder and sets you up for all kinds of challenging situations. So first of all, what do you think about that um, concept and, and how do you do that well? Really, what you just spoke about in your passion and purpose, customer, that is all wrapped into the word we would say calling. What's your calling? Is you know, what does Jesus put upon your heart that he wants you to do as an entrepreneur? And as an entrepreneur, meaning what are you going to start? What are you going to build? You know, where are you going to join him in creation of a Genesis one variety? So it's paramount that you appreciate, understand are tied into who you are in Christ. That includes the values that he has put in you through your experiences in life, your emotions, your relationships. You know, how has he formed that foundational, what you view as inside the track, you might say, and outside the track. You know, I can always tell what your values are when you get mad. Uh, somehow I triggered something. I went over a line. And as a leader, especially entrepreneur leader, you're going to build things that look like you. And if you don't understand that and appreciate that, then it's going to cause you conflict later on down the road and confusion. But if you can understand that the values Jesus has put into you and how he has formed and shaped you, that's going to live out in this new entity. That's part of this calling, this, this passion. Part of that calling is also then who he has put on your heart. Who do you enjoy serving? Who do you enjoy you just like being with that type of person, you like helping that type of person, you like making their life better? Maybe it's single moms, maybe it's businessmen and women, C-suite people. It could be the whole spectrum. That's another part then for you to really live there and run in that lane. 
because the more you can focus and you can't boil the ocean, it helps you really laser in then your energy in that early stage that's so, so difficult. The other thing I would just say, and what I have loved in our ministry and our work, not everybody wants to, nor everybody needs to scale. So obviously you've got men and women who are very gifted, they can scale it, they want to scale it. But as you know, <laughs> you scale it, you have another set of headaches, and you have another set of problems. And many of the people we work with, they just want a mom and pop kind of shop, they don't want to scale it. And they're clear on what success looks like to them, as you use that word, that's where they want to be. And so your comment about defining success, and sticking to that, is very critical as well then as you move through that calling section in the early phase. Yeah. And, you know, I think having somebody to talk to, to say, okay, I have some big goals and dreams. Like I, I know uh, one of my friends, he's an entrepreneur and he loves making money. And guess what? There's people, I just want to give people out there permission. You know, it's the love of money that is the right. root of evil. In, it's interesting in Christian circles. I mean, this guy is really good at creating an idea and actually creating revenue. He's also one of the biggest givers. 50% of what he brings in, he gives away, right? And having financial goals. And in that, though, I think it's also very important for us as, as Christian entrepreneurs not to compare or judge, right? If I, like you said, if I just like me, my company it's designed right now to take care of our family's needs, to tithe, and to put enough away that we can retire someday. There right? you go. If God puts it on my heart to grow this into something that you know is a global training company, like what John Maxwell did, right? That's a totally different path and set of equations. And if we go that direction, great. I'm going to just take it a step at a time. What I believe, though, is something that starts out small and it's built well, that is what has the potential to go big. If we're trying to go big too soon and too early, that's where I've seen things kind of run into a buzzsaw. But I love what you said, right? Let's embrace some of those things in our heart. We bring them in prayer to God and say, is that a passion? Is that a goal from you? And then let's not compare ourselves to others. Let's go figure out how do we do our best as Christ's perfect workmanship in what we've been called to do. Yeah, when, when you're talking about calling, talking about passion, discerning that, there is this overarching understanding that all of life is sacred. I mean, everything we see is sacred. And so rather than silo what God has put on your heart, maybe you, you, know, you love water skiing or snow skiing or something like that, that's just, you really love it. Then how could that be used to glory to God? You know, we have a phrase internally, we say, turn your passion into pay, all right, if that's what you're trying to do, and, and rather than a hobby. So the whole understanding of how Jesus has wired you, we have a series of questions we, we run you through. It's a reflective time of really discerning uh, in a perfect world, if you didn't have all of the uh, encumbrances that you typically fall upon, then what would you be doing? And where would you be going? And then let's take that as one nugget. Now, the other thing you mentioned earlier, is very important of the who. So who you are in Christ, who he's designed to be, but then who has he called you to serve? And once you nail that down, then you reverse ever reverse engineer everything around that person. That's mm -hmm. then how I'm going to build the offering, the product, the services, the nonprofit, the for profit, whatever it may be. But it has to be a marriage 
uh, ideally, it needs to be a marriage between what, who I am, what I'm seeking to do, who I'm seeking to serve. And then I let go of myself. Uh, you know, I'm letting God build it. I'm letting him lead me. I'm trusting him leading me. I'm doing everything that I possibly can. But at the end of the day, I'm not building this for my ego. I'm building it for him and I'm building it to serve some particular person or group of people. Yeah. And, you know, in that, what you just talked about with ego, I was actually just talking about that with my coach this morning. I think having a, a coach, having mentors, having a, a board of directors, even a personal board. I'm just telling this to you folks out there that are entrepreneurial just from my own experience. Amen. It is essential because you know what, as you start having success, this has always been me. As I started having success, it was start, it was pretty easy to start give myself the credit. Like, you know what? I did good there. And in that, it's just like this slow drift away from the true north of partnering with the Father and having those people in your life to sow into you to make sure you're in alignment with who you are, your values, your passions, your gifting, your why you're doing this stuff. That has kept me on track. And when I'm on track and in partnership with the Father, it is so much more fun, so much more fulfilling, so much less stress and anxiety. And those times that I brought stress and anxiety in as an entrepreneur was, you know, should have been like this indicator to me that, you know what, I think maybe it drifted off true north here a little bit, John. Well, Jesus says in 1010, right, that he has come that we may have life and have it to the full. And what does that full life look like? And that full life looks like all of life. It's just not a portion of that. Yeah, you know, when you're a founder, when you're leading into that, it's very easy to feel that you're the one who everything's riding on. You're the one who's having to carry the load. And from a person standpoint, in many situations, it is true. If you don't get out of bed and do it, it's not going to get done. At the same time, to understand that you're sacred, you are part of God's sacred work, and that he's leading you and he's bringing you along. He's the one opening the doors, closing the doors. You're constantly seeking his will. You're constantly in a posture of prayer with him, conversing with him, listening to him all throughout the day. You know, people ask me that. So what is, how do you get that devotional rhythm? And, and I do have a rhythm up in the mornings. That's part of what I do. But over the years and over decades, it's more of just a an automatic type of relationship. It's something I'm always doing. That's so critical when you're in this role of an entrepreneur who's seeking to follow Jesus and what she or he are, are doing. Yeah. And thank you for saying that. And here's a question for you, though. You know, you look at all these people that the entrepreneurs, and if you guys go to the website 5.2, there's just some, some really great ideas here, right? From, you know, all of a sudden there's a hurricane's destruction and there's a group of people that are in the incubator and they want to plant a church. Uh, there's a group that wants to build a, a food bank. There's one that wants to start a nonprofit for sex trafficking victims. All amazing ideas. Everyone takes an incredible entrepreneurial effort. Now, when people come to you, because you've worked with so many different entrepreneurs in this realm, what are some of the areas that they're really struggling with? I'm just thinking, you know, Bill, when I right? Some of it's finances, uh, structure, how to hire, like, how do I take this idea that I have, and I've gotten some momentum, but 
Like what's that next best step, right? Taking some of the strategic ideas and turning them into execution. So I'm just kind of riffing there, but when you have people approach you, is there any themes of, of some of these problems that these entrepreneurs are coming to you and say, okay, this is where I need help? We work a lot, John, from ideation to launch. So we spend a lot of our time in the ideation phase and before we put you into a testing posture. And actually the testing is, is all the time. But when people come to us, almost always they have an idea. I mentioned that. And they're so in love with their idea. And so one of the first things we do, we see this almost across the board. You know, Roughly 60, 65% of the teams that we work with change their idea after their testing phase. So they listen, they go, okay, that's not really going to work. But you come to us and you go, okay, I got this idea. And generally speaking, right, if you're an entrepreneur, you're probably a pretty strong personality. I mean, you can convince, that's one of the traits we look for in our assessment. Are you good at influencing? Can, you know, do you enjoy influencing or not? And so you're probably good at convincing people your idea is a good one. But one of the things we want you to do is hold that idea loosely. You may be right. So some of the examples you listed and others that we see all the time, the longer that individual, that entrepreneur has been already in that setting, they've already been in that market, they've been with those people. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Deb, who is the uh, former police officer that started Ellie's House in Detroit, phenomenal sex trafficking ministry. And she had worked in sex crimes. So she knew the people. Now, she had not been able to articulate that, but she actually had because she lived there and done it. So, mm -hmm. and her idea was spot on. So when we work with entrepreneurial people, if you have not literally been in the shoes of, and I mean literally, then you need to hold your idea loosely. That'd be the first thing. The second thing is- we so Hold your that, idea loosely. What does holding it loosely look like? It means that as you move into the next phase, we use a business model canvas approach, okay? Mm -hmm. So in our business model canvas approach, that you're not so in love with your value prop and your way you're going to solve the problem that you forget about who you're solving the problem for. And so to hold your idea loosely is set it over on the, on the side table for now. Let's forget about that. Let's instead talk about uh, the individual that you're going to be serving for whom you're going to be creating this business or product or nonprofit or church or ministry, whatever it may be. Let's talk about them. And let's do, we do customer pains, gains, job theory, everything in our process where you're literally saying, so what are they trying to get done in life? What are they trying to accomplish? How can we bring Jesus to bear in a non-threatening way into that situation? That's also financially sustainable. Those are our two core Outcomes we want to see when we work with you, financial sustainability, and more people are introduced to Jesus and get to know Jesus. So let's now look at them. Let's build back into it and see what is it that you can provide that's really going to serve that in a financially sustainable way. And now let's go back and look at your idea. And maybe it's a morph of your idea. Maybe you're spot on. Maybe you ought to say, no, that's not going to work at all. We're going to start something more face-to-face -face in person rather than just go digital out of the gate, that type of thing. So that's what that would look like. Okay, that's awesome. Okay, then the, the next thing you were talking about, hold the idea loosely. And then what kind of is we're going through this process from ideation to launches, some other things to be thinking about. So we are very team oriented. We're uber team oriented. So we do work with solopreneurs, but we would prefer one of our hoops is if your idea is any good at all, convince four other people to join you on the team. So that's kind of our filtering hoop. 
And we work with you on building the team if that's just foreign to you. And through our assessment, we run a whole job success analysis assessment. We can tell where you're weak, et cetera, et cetera. And most of the time, entrepreneurial people think they know operations, but they don't know operations. <laughs> that's not no, after forte. 30 years, Bill, I'm still <laughs> trying to figure out how to be better at operations. I'm no, just, no, no. <laughs> I'm, done. I'm being honest well, with you. Like well, uh, one of my so, clients is the chief operating <laughs> officer of a big company. How he thinks and approaches things, I marvel at. It is a foreign, it's, it's not, I'll just tell you this as a quick start kind of guy. It's not my skill set. I've well, come to and, know that. That's right. Well, I had a, a great opportunity about, oh, I don't know, probably 2011 or so, 10 years ago. I did a one-week course at Harvard at Strategic Perspectives and Nonprofit Management. And I was, I was the only pastor in the place, 150 uh, nonprofit leaders from around the world. And they did a case study, and one was when the founder should leave. Now, here I am. I'm sitting right in the church that I founded. It's about 14 years, and I'm like, okay, you know, is, is she saying something to me or not? But one of the things she said when I went up to her afterwards, and uh, I said, okay, have you ever seen a situation where the founder stays? And she said, sure, but here's what has to happen. First of all, he no longer can be the only face of the place. Secondly, he's the king, and he has to be absent at times so others can speak in, because otherwise, when the king's in the room, nobody pays attention to anything else. And the third thing she said was, and this is what I said earlier, he has to get out of ops because he doesn't know ops. And otherwise, you're going to hit founder's trap and, you know, you're not going to scale. So that building that team of complementary gifts, but it's more than that. So when you are leading a good team in your startup, you are actually, if you're leading it well, you are valuing the skills and the values of your team. So mm. there's a good chance you don't really think operations are that important. You may not understand systems. You may not understand how they're going to play in when you scale the thing, the processes. We're working with a group right now. The senior leader has no desire to do systems or processes, and that's fine, but he has to value them and he has to wave the flag for them. So even though he's no good at it and hates it, doesn't mean, and he's got to have to play in some systems, but he's got to value that. So that's the hardest thing that if you want to scale, now, again, if it's just going to be a mom and pop and you know, you're going to keep it small, but if you're trying to scale it, you have got to embrace the core systems needed, financial operations, marketing, whatever that may be, you're going to have to embrace those things. So here's what I'm hearing is, right? So the idea, finding this idea, who you're working with in your calling, build that, you know, that team. What I see oftentimes too is, you know, people have an idea. If it's a nonprofit, I have to do some fundraising or maybe I have to raise capital. You know, that's something that definitely is coming up. When you're working with these Christian entrepreneurs in these different areas, what is the conversation around funding? Well, one of the reasons we chose our name, 5-2, comes from the feeding of the 5,000, five loaves and two fish. And by the way, that miracle is found in every gospel. It's like the only one. It's that importance. So you should pay attention to it when every gospel writer says, we got to tell that story. And so we chose the name because Jesus, when he, the two times he speaks in Mark 6, are commands in this miracle, when he's speaking to his, the apostles, and he says, you give them something to eat because they 
have come to him and said, yeah, send him away. And the second thing, when they go, well, it's going to cost half a year's wages, yada, yada, you don't want us to spend that kind of money. He says, go and see how many loaves and fish there are. So the point being that they look at the problem and they go, we don't have the resource to do this. This is craziness. And Jesus says, go back into the crowd, see what's there. And so Jesus actually feeds the crowd with food from the crowd, not from the church, not from the entrepreneurs, if you want to use that metaphor. Mm -hmm. But what they did have to do was to go into the crowd, find the food, bring it back to Jesus. They had to do that or else technically he wasn't going to do the miracle. And you got to think they could have found more. You got to think they probably just said, well, we'll just, I mean, you got 5,000 plus women and children, there's going to be more food there than that, right? But that's all they found. They bring it back and Jesus works miracles. So what we see time and time and time again, when we work with startups, is they come in worried about the money, they worry about the people. And we're, that's another one we go, set that aside for now, put that on the back burner. Let's get everything else set, that who you're serving, what it's going to look like, how you're going to solve problems for them. And then your team is there. You've got people on your team that I'm willing to invest in, right? If you ask me for a hundred grand, before I'm going to give you a hundred grand, I got to believe in you and what it is you're going to do and that there's a problem you're going to solve. But the point being that we see time and time again that God's money is there in different areas in the community. It, what was missing was not the idea. What was missing was leadership for the idea or leadership to solve that problem. So- we always want you to have both a donative income stream and an earned income stream. If you're a nonprofit, you should have both. If you're a for-profit, we already see a lot of for-profits have understood that. They set up causes because right now, millennials and younger, very cause-driven. People live local. They love community causes. So setting up that cause aspect of what you're doing, which falls out of your passion as well and out of your calling, and having that donative income stream is another way of a stabilizing a portion of the revenue that you need. Well, I love how you broke that down is, you know, sometimes when you're entrepreneurial or even if you guys have started something and you're out there like, okay, like what's next? Sometimes it almost feels, there's been times where I've almost felt paralyzed because there's almost so much information, so much to think about. And uh, what you're talking about is a process to actually put things in order so I can actually kind of walk through this process to have the best chance of success by tackling the important things first and then how to make good, both strategic and tactical businesses. You know, a lot of us are familiar with the book E-Myth, right? But guess what? As an entrepreneur, we have to wear both hats. We have to work on the business, which can be hard, but we also have to work in the business. We have to do both of these and that's what you're talking about. And, and or have a team that's helping with that, right? I mean, you know, somebody's got to be doing that. So Yeah, and what's, that's a good point, too, is like, I know my strengths with my team. I've actually learned enough, have a self-awareness to say, okay, here's the things that I really should be doing. Here's the things Donna should be doing. Here's the things John should be doing and CJ and Rich, all these different folks on my team. And it's all different, right? And it's all stuff other of us could do. The question is, should we do it? But that role clarity on a team is key to create accountability. Because without that role clarity and accountability and knowing who is doing what and when, and you know what, then that's when things can get sideways pretty quick and confusing. 
John, also when we when we launched our Start New Training platform, well, when we launched our Start New Training back in 2015, I also wrote a book. It's called Seven Steps to Start. It articulates some of the things we just talked about and lays it out in you know becoming community aware, for instance, and that's that whole customer aspect of things. Uh, but it lays out some steps for a person. So if you're looking to just say, where do I take the first step? That's an option. We also have a very simple, it's a three-part video series that's free. You can go to startnewtrain.com backslash mini course, M-I-N-I dash course. You can go there, you can download that. And that's how to get some immediate traction. So if you're thinking, oh, do I do this thing or not? You can go there, watch those three short videos and that at least will get you primed as you move out. Yeah, not only that, but also, guys, uh, I just want to put a plug in here. Startnewtraining.com. And if you go there, part of what it says here is launch a faith-driven venture in 60 days. And it's a paid course. It's very affordable. But if you walked through, I, I, I looked at everything that's in there. I'm like, wow, this it's is all the great. soup to nuts. It's soup it, to This nuts. is like soup to nuts. Like if you're thinking about, hey, a, either A, what do I do next? Or you know what? I have an idea. What does it take to turn this idea mm-hmm. into a company? Because remember, it, you, you know, early on, I said, hey, go find people that have done what you want to do. Look at what they did and how they did it. And then are you willing to do that? This gives you that framework to start thinking, is this something I really want to do? John, you know, one of the, I just want to put a plug in here for our funding model. And again, we practice what we preach. The reason we can make everything we do very accessible financially is because we have donors and we run roughly a 50-50 earned income to donative income model. Always have even cross point. That's how we kind of, we did that church as well. So it allows us to make the training very accessible, put everything there. And the fun thing is our donors love it when we get this into the hands of more and more people. And so by their generosity to us, it allows us to make a greater impact. And you can do that too with your business and ministry, those of you entrepreneurs who want to start something. So as you're thinking about your passion, your cause, and what your calling is, that becomes your mantra, that becomes what comes uh, out of the microphone. And that is very powerful in attracting people to your cause. Yep. 100%. You know, and with that is, you know, we kind of wrap up here, Bill, folks, check out, you know, 52.com, startnewtraining.com. But what are just, you know, folks out there, they're, they're entrepreneurs right now, they're trying to build something, they're in an inflection point, they're thinking about starting something. What any final thoughts you have just as an encouragement for men and women of faith out there who have something on their heart that they want to just see manifest out in the world? Well, my encouragement to you would be, I always assume, I would start with the assumption that that is of God. In other words, I'm going to assume it's of God until it's proven wrong. I mean, if you're a baptized believer, you're a called person, you're a part of God's family, you've been saved by Jesus Christ, he is your Lord and Savior. If all of those things are like where you are, okay, then there's a huge assumption that the voices in your head, I would start with, that's of Jesus, unless it's just adamantly contrary to what Scripture would say but some of these things that feel nebulous. So I would say, assume that's so, commit that to prayer, commit it to counsel, uh, going to Proverbs, going to your words earlier of a mentor, 
who are those people that you could say, hey, this is something I, I think Jesus is calling me to, God wants me to do, explore. I would really look to find other Christian entrepreneurial mentors. So sometimes entrepreneurial ideas sound crazy and you'll get people thinking you're crazy, but find those individuals who have maybe been there, as you said earlier, that can kind of speak to you through that. And then I would really consider, again, go to the startnewtrain.com mini course, just check that out. What you want to do is have some small confirmations along the lines that are helping you move the ball down the field as you move forward with that. Okay. So what I'm, here's what I heard is folks, you got that idea in your heart, look at it from the place of, you know what, what if it was God that put that on my that's, heart? That's it's right. The father's that's right. joy in this idea, this passion, this people group that you want to serve this problem you want to solve. And you know what, just take the next small step have a conversation with somebody who gets how an entrepreneurial things. Cause mm-hmm. I've brought ideas to some folks. They thought I was nuts. I went right. to other people. They're like, dude, are you crazy? That That's is so awesome. awesome. <laughs> how do I help you? Like, yeah. so, you know what, you got to find people that have kind of, that have honestly been there because you know what my, when I got into the world of an entrepreneur, that was not any of my friends from the Navy as I would got oh, out of the Navy, there weren't any of my friends Navy. from high school, <laughs> right? I couldn't go. I mean, they could give me their opinion, but that is not an opinion based in experience, mm-hmm. right? So, so, right. That entrepreneurial mindset, the entrepreneurial camaraderie, that field, uh, that entrepreneurial field, who are those people? And, and a simple question to ask yourself is, who do I know that has started things? Maybe it's small, large, just who started stuff? Uh, they don't work for the man. You know, what if I took them to lunch? And said, I'd love to take you to lunch and just talk through, like you said earlier, what made them successful. But also then I would ask them how they would take this idea forward. But, you know, you said conversation. I would then just say curriculum of some kind. Mm-hmm. Find a curriculum that you could say, okay, I'm going to take some steps myself and get some validation of this and verified input uh, from some coursework or whatever it may be. Well, thank you for that. So folks, I think entrepreneurs are just the engine right now of part of an awakening to Christ that's happening, not only here in the US, but all over the world. I know we have listeners, I think in 172 countries, there is no dumb idea. There's no idea that is too small. Seriously, I could tell you some of you in Rwanda, I was talking with somebody that just was looking at how to upgrade the quality of coffee they were building in their village. That is now turned into the Rwandan trading company that has taken Rwanda out of being a Folgers kind of coffee bean to being purchased by Starbucks. Right. And just, so it's small ideas, but then all of a sudden you just start taking action. And like the woman you talked about, who was the police officer who worked with sex trafficking victims and she had an approach. She's like, you know what? I want to turn this into a ministry. I want to turn this into an organization that, that has a focus on doing that. And, you know, as a military guy or a police officer coming out and actually building an organization, that's not a skill set I'd ever learned or been taught or studied. So I love this. So here's what I love everybody out there. If you're an entrepreneur and 10 to 15% of you are, the ones that are not, go find an entrepreneur and absolutely encourage them, pray for them, see what you can do to just be of service. And you know what, even if it's just a community, just saying, you know what, I'll be praying for you. I got your back. 
If you know an entrepreneur, forward this episode on to them as not only a place of encouragement, but equipping. That was what we prayed for because that is what you mm-hmm. delivered, Bill. And guys out there listening, plug in, go through Bill's course. If this has sparked an idea, don't let it sit on the shelf. Don't say, well, you know, I don't know if you ever heard of the, the book, The Five Second Rule. Right? <laughs> Our brain is predisposed to the status quo. And if you're like, you know what, yeah. I should do that. That's right? The other side of that is blink, right? I mean, Gladwell's book on that's right. decision. Blink, I, you know, like, one thing it, I do want to say, you, you've said it, but I just want to reinforce this. Deb, the police officer, she called me the week before the boot camp started and she said, I can't do this. Mm. I don't have the abilities to do this. This is crazy that I would do this. I mean, she just went down all the list. And praise God, if you're ever trying to be convinced not to do something, you don't call me. So <laughs> I convinced her, I said, no, Deb, you've got the goods. This is a phenomenal idea. Don't worry about where the money's going to come from. Let's get this thing built. And so that confidence, I just want to tell you, take those little steps. That confidence is so critical. The courage, courage flows from confidence. So we want that to happen in you. All right, guys, I'd love to hear from you what your ideas are, what your next steps are. And I just want to leave you with this. Just take that next small step and go out there and just knock people alive. Amen. Thanks, Bill. Uh, Great having you on. And I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you, John, so much. God be with you. 